Hi there, Remy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Relieved it's a weekend. <laughs> yeah, good and uh, public holiday on Tuesday, which is nice. And then I think another short week next yeah. week, which will be good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've actually taken Monday off, so have a long yeah. weekend, which is super lovely. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so can you start uh, telling us a bit about yourself and your health journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so first off, just thank you for having me. Um, and okay. I want to preface by saying this is the first time I've done anything like this before. So feeling a bit anxious. <laughs> Don't but, worry, it'll um, be fine. Yeah, so um, my name's Lisa and I um, identify as living with a dynamic disability. Um, I have multiple chronic illnesses and I'm quite open about you know, what my chronic illnesses are. Um, I live with type 1 diabetes, which I've had since I was the age of five. Um, and I have a, an autoimmune condition called Addison's disease, um, which is relatively rare. And I was diagnosed with that when I was 20 years old. Um, and yeah, essentially what that means is that my body um, doesn't produce cortisol, which is the stress management hormone. Um, so yes, navigating life and its stresses can be challenging. Um, and yeah, I also have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's disease. So yeah, um, I like to call it the holy trio and um, navigating life and work life with chronic illness can be challenging um, during times of flare-ups and um, yeah there's times where I'm less functional and um, yeah struggle a bit to just get on with day-to-day -day life. Can you run us through Addison's and Hashimoto, Hashimoto's is that how you pronounce it? A bit yeah, like yeah, what are the symptoms right. how does it affect you? Yeah so um Hashimoto's is a um, thyroid condition. So um, essentially it means that my body um, doesn't, my, my body um, attacked the thyroid gland and because um, it's an autoimmune condition. Um, and so I don't produce any um, hormone, thyroid hormones. Um, and that creates fatigue and um, brain fog weight fluctuation um he, uh, it also affects how your body regulates your temperature so um often i have very cold hands and feet um and then addison's disease is um essentially uh where my adrenal glands no longer produce cortisol, cortisol um so i have to take uh, steroids um, three times a day in order to um, replace that that hormone um, and it also impacts your aldosterone um, which regulates your blood pressure so I have very low blood pressure which at times can create like um, extreme sort of fatigue but also sort of fainting spells like postural dizziness when you're standing up a little bit similar to POTS mm. um, syndrome in, um, in that it yeah it affects it's very much affected by when you're standing up um, 
yeah and essentially um when my body is under any sort of physical stress such as an infection or um you know illness uh i i have to increase my um my steroid doses in order to manage that otherwise i can go into what is called an adrenal crisis which um essentially my means my blood pressure becomes dangerously low and um i can end up being unconscious and it it, it can be fatal so yeah that's the you know navigating um physical but also emotional stress and um regulating that's really important isn't Hashimoto's quite rare or am I thinking um, of something so different? <laughs> I'm not sure how rare Hashimoto's is. Um, I mean, I've, so type one diabetes is autoimmune too. Mm. So since I was five, I've had, had one plus autoimmune right. conditions. Um, and yeah, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's at the same time as Addison's mm. disease. And because Addison's disease is a lot more rare, the emphasis and the sort of medical intrigue was more, um, by doctors was more placed on the Addison's yeah. and Hashimoto's was always kind of like the, the secondary, less important mm. diagnosis, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think, um, the, the three, the three conditions, um, Hashimoto's, Addison's, and type one diabetes. Um, is there's a lot of research on on those sort of trio, um, and it's um, called Schmidt syndrome, mm. where you can have um, three or more autoimmune conditions that often go hand in hand. Yeah, I think some people don't realize, uh, you know, when people like a lot of people with chronic illnesses tend to have more than one. And, you know, yeah. that's when they'll be like, oh, you're faking it or you're making it up or you're exaggerating it. But a lot of those chronic illnesses are connected. You know, EDS has like yeah. a billion other illnesses that it's connected to. Like you're more likely to have ADHD and autism and fibromyalgia. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they do often come together or you're a lot more likely to have more than one. You're so right around um, those conditions being often very connected and also with mental health you know like how mental health comes into navigating um chronic health conditions is really something I'm quite passionate about um what was the diagnosis process like for you yeah um it's quite an intense story actually um um but yeah my diagnosis diagnosis story um so I I, I'm originally from South Africa and um, lived and grew up in Cape Town until I was 18. And then when I was 18, I um, went to the UK and um, did voluntary work through a program called Woofing, which is Worldwide Organic Farming. Um, and at the time, I only had um, type 1 diabetes, which was, you know, pretty well self-managed. You know, you have your ups and downs, but since I was five I had managed it so I was very well versed in how to how to be quote-unquote healthy um and yeah so I did a lot of physical work through that um woofing program um on farms and probably um was the first time in my life that I've ever done such intensive physical work like um you know pulling up trees and involved in renovations and you know some quite hardcore physical labor um and in that 
year that I that I did that, I started to become really symptomatic. Um, and at the time, you know, I just thought it was exhaustion from work and getting really tanned from being out in the elements and in the sun in Europe because I, I also volunteered in Europe um, during the summer. And then I came back to London and I saw a specialist um, for my diabetes and I was feeling really unwell. Um, and they sort of just said, oh, it's just the flu, go home, take paracetamol, you'll be fine, um, which I did for a couple of weeks. And then I um, went to sleep one night um, on a Friday night and was meant to be working Saturday, Sunday. Um, at this guest house on a farm and I didn't rock up to work and, and because I was a volunteer and pretty new no one sort of knew that I was a reliable worker so it was like oh she just didn't rock up to work anyway it turns out I was asleep unconscious for 36 hours um, and I woke up on the Sunday morning completely confused and sort of yeah just completely mentally drained like struggled to to sort of know where I was and what day it was and I I had woken up and it's quite graphic but I had woken up in my own like vomit um anyway so I I decided probably not in the most stable of mental states to go to London to see my specialist and I was at the time in re like regional um Devon and went there and a nurse saw me before the doctor's appointment and she said like are you always this tanned like you look really yellow and tanned and is, is this normal for you um, and she actually suggested to the doctor that they test for Addison's disease and she she was like a nurse in training um, so yeah they tested and it was like the results were clear as day that I had it um, and and I was suddenly told that um, I needed to take steroids three times a day, every day for the rest of my life. And that would be the, that would be the solution and I would feel all right. Consequently, I kind of have understood that that's probably not the case. It's, it's an ongoing journey to, to feel okay. And I've probably, since mm. being diagnosed with Addison's, I've probably never felt 100%. I'm always sort of at 80 you know, 80 to 95% on a good day. Um, and yeah, that was my, that was my diagnosis story. Um, yeah, it's probably longer than you expected. <laughs> yeah, a bit intense. <laughs> no, it's a definitely a bit intense. Um, I mean, I, it's good that yeah. they figured it out quite quickly. Yeah. Because they're sounding a bit extreme. Yeah. And you currently work in the disability space, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate in that I was diagnosed so quickly. Um, I know many people struggle with years and years to get a diagnosis for Addison's disease. So that I'm thankful for. Um, and, yeah, I work in the disability sector, um, have done for uh, probably close to two years now. Um, in Australia and yeah so I um, have worked for NDIS an NDIS provider um, and 
previously and um, I now work as a as a program coordinator for a um, non-for-profit um, organization that works with people with disability and employers um, to ensure that um, Australia is building a disability confident workforce um, and I really enjoy my work in the sector it can be challenging at times um, working within such a um, caring um, and supportive industry which demands a lot from from you as a human um, but yeah and is it kind of common that other people who work with you have disabilities or chronic illnesses or are you kind of hanging around being the only one yeah that's such a good question um so I think recently um the organization that I work for said that we have close to 40 to 50 percent um of our workforce are people with disability mm. which is really wonderful yeah um, that's really great really really good and um yeah it's a it, the place that I currently work at um it's the first time that I've ever navigated the workplace adjustments conversation um so pre-working for this organization I'd never requested any workplace adjustments um and so going through that journey has been such a wonderful learning experience for me to understand what my support needs are in the workplace and to learn how to articulate what I need um, in order to to be my best self and in the workplace and it's been helpful for me to sort of build on my um, advocacy skills and um, yeah and essentially I in my work I work with people with disability to um, help them to understand what their needs are in the workplace so through that and through speaking to people with a diverse set of disabilities both hidden and um, you know invisible dynamic um, and visible or physical disabilities um, working with those people has really taught me a lot about myself uh, and the community and how much of a difference has it made having like being able to have those adjustments at work yeah it it's an ongoing journey and it's something that I think um we have to always sort of revisit and revise and say okay is this is this still working as we had originally intended it do we need to change that adjustment do I need to add something do I no longer need that um, but having those conversations um, and knowing that I can knowing that there's a there's a policy in place that's supporting me to have that conversation um, has been great um, and like I said I've never experienced that before in the workplace before working for uh, the non-for-profit that I work for now um, like I've always I've always had to ask for things in the workplace mm. but I've never had the words um, or the knowledge to to back me up in those requests yeah are you working full-time yeah so I work full-time yeah. which uh, is a challenge if I if I'm honest um, 
So, you know, the, the economy that we currently are all navigating and the cost of living increase means that, you know, I, I don't think I could ever work part-time um, just to, you know, just to keep a roof over my head and um, cover those expenses. But um, yeah, working full-time with chronic illness is, is really difficult. I think um, I was listening to an interview with uh, Michelle Irving, who does a lot of work in the chronic illness and um, mentorship space around um, people with chronic illness and working. And she said, like, I think it was her, she said that, like, working with chronic illness, you have two jobs. You have the full-time job of navigating and looking after your own health um and your full-time job and then you also have the job of educating people about living with chronic illness um so yeah it's it's full-on yeah do you I and I know you said you know financially it's not really possible but do you think you're going to be able to do that full-time like for however many more years you're doing it or yeah it's it's such a good question and I think it's something I think about often like is this sustainable um because I'm probably driving myself way too hard in in the way that I work um and I think part of part of what I'm doing with um the champion health agency uh and speaking to my own lived experiences is developing a bit of a a fallback you know to to be able to um freelance would be an amazing mm. thing and um sort of the dream and so um working on those side projects and um passion projects is is sort of with that in mind that you know if if one day I'm not able to work full-time in the sector then maybe I would be able to fall back on freelancing and work part-time yeah. yeah that's pretty much where I'm at too I think I've been working full-time now for three months and I already know it it's not gonna not be sustainable, sustainable. and I, I know that part of it's me because I am doing those things on the side like this podcast I but hear you, you, you kind of have to right like I know I'm not it's not gonna work for probably even a year so yeah what else are you gonna wow. do yeah and it's it's challenging isn't it because you know we we want to be active you know members of society and contributing but we also have to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice our own health and well-being and um I think people with chronic illness who are working particularly in industries that require empathy um often do burnout and you know I've experienced burnout before I don't want to be there again so I know the warning signs and um yeah I think part of why I'm so passionate about talking about working with chronic illness is is those developing those prevention strategies and conversations where you can sit down with your employer and you can say you know your standards of efficiency or productivity are not sustainable for me to achieve and if I continue to try meet those expectations I'm going to burn out 
and that's putting it really blatantly and bluntly um but it's the truth and sometimes that can get me into trouble um Mm -hmm. where I speak my truth and it's (sighs) and it's a bit scary and then I'm like oh what have I just said or done but um I think sometimes you've got to feel the fear and do it anyway and you've got to just show up as your whole self yeah and have those hard conversations and how does having a disability or chronic illness and working with other disabled people, like what do you get to provide them that someone who doesn't have a chronic illness or disability may not? Oh, I love that question. Yeah, I think um, it's when you're meeting someone with a sense of empathy and you're meeting them and you're saying, I hear you, I feel you, I understand what where you're coming from. I think that can generate such beautiful conversations with people. And in my work experience across, you know, the jobs that I've done in the industry, I've found that the most quality conversations I've had with people is when I'm what I'm saying, I've been on that, I've been on the other side. I've been on the side where I've had to advocate hard for my needs. And um, I've, I understand, you know, the struggle that you're experiencing. Um, and um, I think I'm always quite transparent in my conversations with the community. And I say, you know, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want to build a sense of connection with the broader disability and all those amazing and diverse people within that community. Yeah. And what's kind of like your go-to advice, I guess, for people with disability, chronic illness, whether it's navigating like the workspace or just life in general? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think, um, showing up for yourself and listening to your body's needs and setting those boundaries is really important so understanding your capacity and that can change day to day but having a sort of ritual that's daily or weekly where you're checking in with yourself and understanding what you have to offer um, I really like spoon theory, which was developed by Christine Miserandino. I hope I'm not butchering her name. Um, but yeah, like checking in with yourself and saying, how many spoons have I got to give today? And at the end of the day, checking in with yourself and saying, I've, you know, I've done all of this today. I've achieved all of this. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. Um, how many spoons have I got left to give for myself? Um, and considering that really carefully in your day-to-day rituals and ensuring that you're keeping some resources and energy for yourself at the end of the day. And where are you heading off to next? Like you talk about side projects and like working on your advocacy. Is there anything particular that you're working on? Yeah, so I run an Instagram page called the Sunflower Collective um, um, and that really started as my passion project during the pandemic, um, sort of in between lockdowns in 2021. Um, COVID taught me a lot about navigating um, 
identity with disability. Um, I think identifying as someone who's immunocompromised, it, it built, it, it, it provided me with so much more information and knowledge of how to navigate this world as somebody with a disability. Um, so I really learned a lot about myself during during the lockdowns and the pandemic and coming out of that um, I had strong feelings like many of many of us in the community around how you know the dialogue between government and um, you know health public health advisors it changed it shifted from you know let's let's um, keep everyone safe and protect the most vulnerable to not everyone's going to get it we all we all just have to we all just have to keep carrying on and um, return back to quote normal. And I had strong feelings around that. And so the Sunflower Collective was really a place for me to articulate those feelings and share share what I was experiencing um, and connect with others who were feeling the same way or had other perspectives to offer. Um, and so, yeah, that's an ongoing project. I work on the Sunflower Collective when I can um, between full-time work and managing my health. Um, as I said, I also am now represented by Anya um, through the Champion Health Agency. And I'm excited to see what, um, what transpires through that. Um, my sort of personal goal is to um, get more comfortable speaking to my own personal story and lived experience story so I'm quite an anxious shy person and I prefer written form mm. um, of expression so my goal is to get more comfortable speaking to my truth well you've done great today can't even tell that you're oh. anxious <laughs> thank you thank you yeah I've had lots of practice masking my anxiety <laughs> um, in my work <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lisa. Um, where can we find you? Yeah, so um, anyone who is open and um, is more than welcome to um, find me on Instagram at, um, at the dot sunflower collective. Um, always keen to engage with people and connect and understand um, other perspectives. People are also more than welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn if that's something that they use um yeah and that's really all my social presence for now social media presence um <laughs> that may change in the near future but yeah that's where people can find me for now thank you so much for listening to this week's episode don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes every two weeks and to leave a review if you are enjoying the podcast you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sick of It Podcast and Instagram at Sick of It underscore podcast. I'll talk to you soon.